start a new series today on 1 John. And um, I, I love 1 John. It's a very, very challenging book. Very challenging book. Um, but it will sharpen us. And uh, we, we are definitely in need of being sharpened, right? You know, we're, we're in the process of growing to become more like Jesus. And uh, so um, I noticed, though, before I get started, I noticed some of you walked by me, didn't shake my hand, didn't give me a hug. And I'm wondering if it was because of the shirt I was wearing. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to start this off right. You know, if you're offended, if you're offended because of this shirt, we're going to talk about that today. All right? We're going to talk about that today. So don't you love a great story? I mean, uh, stories are so captivating. Many, many years ago when I was a young parent, uh, I learned this. I, I learned that stories, you can communicate so much more in a story than if you're just talking intellectually. Uh, and so one of the things I did, and I'm, I may embarrass some of my kids, but I had this big, big wig, right? And it was black, curly, kinky, curly uh, wig that I would put on. And I would, ch- see, Leah remembers because she, she heard my stories. Yeah. Uh, and I would put that wig on and tell, I, I, would, I would play another person. And my role was Uncle Billy, which was, in, it, it was sort of like symbolic of a brother of mine. I don't have a brother named Billy, but it was just a created character that would allow me to tell funny stories and creative stories and even mix in biblical truths and things like that to my kids. So the kids would gather around and tell us an Uncle Billy story, tell us an Uncle Billy story. And I would just, you know, just make up stories on the fly that were fun, that were creative, that would make them laugh and, and drop nuggets of truth in there. And uh, one time, one time we were leading the middle schoolers uh, on Wednesday night. This was we weren't leading the teens at this time, but we were leading the middle schoolers. And these were like, uh, actually, it wasn't just middle schoolers, but it was, it was kids' church on Wednesday night. And so there was a wide range of ages, preteen ages. And, and my wife and I were leading that, that ministry for a little bit. And so we were teaching them how to share the gospel, how to share uh, Jesus Christ and the gospel and, and the life-changing message with these kids, and it culminated with, I am going to invite my, my brother, and we call him Uncle Billy, and I want you to share the gospel with him because he's not saved. And so Uncle Billy, you know, I, I set it up where I, I was looking for him. He was late. He was late. I left to look for him, and he ended up showing up. Obviously, it was me, right? And he had this big gold chain on, and he had s- sweatpants on, and the sweat one side was rolled up to his knee, and he was just you know, rocking his, uh, his old Im- his image. And, and uh, Uncle Billy came in and was t- telling his story. And then it came time for the kids that were there to share the gospel with him. And they did it. They shared the gospel with him. And uh, he got saved. So now we got a saved Uncle Billy, which is really cool because he was a pretty edgy guy. <laughs> and so as we look at this story of uh, 1 uh, John it's sort of like that. John, is, John, at this point in time, is an older man. He's the oldest living apostle. This is, this is written in like A.D. 90. And, and when Jesus walked the earth and the time that he spent with Jesus, many believed that he was a teenager. And this is the one who calls himself the beloved disciple. This is the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest the night before Jesus went to the cross. 
This is the one that knew Jesus, and he writes about how this love, he knew this love uh, better than any other. He just understood it. He, the one who Jesus loved, he called himself. And so we're looking at this guy, John. John wrote five books in the, in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. And so uh, we're looking at this guy, John. So this, this guy comes from an angle and a perspective where he wants to gather us around and tell us about his experiences. And there's something powerful about a story, especially when it's a story that's being told that has been experienced first. So, so John, this guy, has not only encountered Jesus, and he says, you know, the one who was from the beginning, uh, he says this in the, in, the, in the Gospel of John and here in the epistle, 1 John, you know, the one who was from the beginning, that which our eyes have seen and our, our hands have touched, and, you know, I have an experience to tell you about, is what he's saying. I've experienced something great. And, and through that experience, I grew in fellowship or relationship with the Father and the Son. And I'm telling you this because I want you to understand this fellowship yourself. So in essence, he's, he's sort of gathering us around in a circle to tell us a story about how we can experience this great fellowship with Jesus Christ and the Father. And, and so this guy, is, he's seasoned, he's aged He's, he's got the experience behind him, uh, just a powerful, he was called the apostle to Asia. I mean, he's got a lot of stories to tell. You, you get me so far? This guy, this guy brings some, some great uh, credence to, to the story. And so as we look, look at this, this uh, epistle from John, I, I want to set the stage to say that he, he's, he's coming on the scene in a time uh, of great spiritual compromise. He's writing this book at a time where there's false teachers arising, false teachings coming into play. And, and he brings to the table, he says, you know what? Uh, there may be another generation of people, the next generation that are telling you how to know God, but you, listen to me. You want to hear my story because I knew him. I touched him. I walked with him for three and a half years. I, I saw how he worked. I saw the compassion in his eyes. And, and these kind of things just draw you to want to hear. Have you ever been around old people? This is old man John. Have you ever been around old people that went to war and begin to tell you the story? Yeah. Have you ever been around people that experience things that you've only read in history books or heard about? All of a sudden, they're telling you firsthand experience. This is John. This is what we're about to hear. This is what we're about to cover as we look at First John. And, and so... Um, he, he's gathering people around, and he's saying, you want to know God? You want to have fellowship with God? Let me tell you what this looks like. Let me tell you how I got there, and let me help you get there. Because not only did we have fellowship with the Son and the Father, but I also want you to have fellowship with us and the Father and the Son. And so uh, he, he's getting our attention. Um, he, he said that this is, so he lays the foundation in the first few verses, which we're not covering today, of who we are, who the people of God are, who the followers of Jesus are, what it looks like. And, and fellowship and relationship is at the, is at the key top, uh, top point when he begins to talk. In verse 5, this is where we're going to pick up our story today. After he talks about the need for fellowship, the fact that he has been in fellowship, the fact that he's inviting his readers into this fellowship, 
He says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And John is saying this. Listen, I'm declaring a message, but listen, he gave me this message. I didn't make this up. This is something that Jesus gave me, that Jesus taught me. And I want you to hear this. God is light. And we've probably read this. You may have heard that. You may have said it yourself. But what really does that mean? God is light. Well, first of all, it's a metaphor. And John, in his writings, uses the the contrast of light and darkness many, many times. You can look at John the Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. And he's talking about light. And this light came into the world. And, you know, the darkness could not perceive it. Uh, All through the Gospel of John and in his other writings, light and darkness is a metaphor that he uses regularly. But what he's saying when he said God is light is the foundation for what uh, you need to understand about him is that his character is based on this metaphor of light. And we need to get a hold of what this means. And so when we look at the word light and how it's used in the Bible, it's used in two different ways. Um, The first one is this. Intellectually, light means uh, truth or illumination or revelation. And I'll show you in the scriptures uh, how I came to that. But darkness also means error or deception. So the contrast in the scriptures can can allude to uh, light being truth and darkness being error or deception. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 119. One of my favorite uh, passages, one of my favorite psalms. He says, uh, your word is a light, uh, 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 a lamp unto my path. I might get it backwards. A light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. Your word, thy word, is a, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. And he's talking about the word of God, right? Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. And, and the psalmist says that, you know, when we, when we consider the word, it's a light. It shows us where we're going. It gives us direction. It reveals truth in our life. That is the word of God. So so it points to help us see reality. Uh, Even in John, 1 John, we're going to read the next verse, not right now, but when we read it, he, he points to the fact that light is equivalent to truth. To walk in the light is, is in essence, uh, practicing the truth. But in our everyday language, we we sometimes use light and darkness when, when we would say something like this, man, that conversation with you brought light to my understanding, right? So, so light is, it, it helped me understand something. It revealed some truth to me. It, or we could say it this way, the opposite. Um, I'm still in darkness related to that understanding. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Are you with me so far? So even this light darkness thing alludes to truth in our, our uh, everyday conversation. So to say God is light can mean this, that God is the source of all that is true. We need to get a hold of this. God is the source of all that is true. If there's a truth out there, which we as Christians certainly believe, God is the source of it, right? God is the source of it. So that's one way to look at light. Another way to look at light is this, through holiness. Like light carries the meaning of purity where darkness carries the meaning of evil. So, so when we think about this, Isaiah 5.20 says this, um, that there were people that were calling evil good and good evil. 
and, and they put darkness for light and light for darkness. So they were, they were twisting things around where, where there was light being mentioned and darkness being mentioned, but that, that light ha- had uh, carried the idea of purity and darkness carried the idea of evil. Uh, and this is going to make sense to you as we move forward. John, in 1 John, says this, that whoever hates his brother lives in darkness. I'm just trying to give you these, these metaphors that he uses and get you a, a good feel of the fact that this is a common occurrence. That uh, whoever hates his brother lives in darkness, but if, if he loves his brother, he lives in light. This is 1 John 2.9. You could read that. So to hate somebody uh, uh, leads us to the side of evil that is darkness. To love or to have the, have the characteristic of God leads us to the side of light. So again, John is using these regularly. So what we see out of these two realities is that God is absolute truth and he is absolute holiness. Okay? So when we read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, that God is light, we need to see that he brings light to situations uh, based upon truth and his characteristic of holiness or purity or righteousness. And this is a foundation as we move forward because now he's going to go after, remember I talked to you about being offended at my shirt? Now we're going to go after that. All right? We're going to go after this. I'm going to help you through your offense or the offenses that you may have against somebody else. Verse 6 says this. Well, verse 5 ends with this. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's not a shadow of it. There's no, not, not even, not, nothing, not even a glimpse of darkness in God. Verse 6 says this. Now, based upon the fact that God is light, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness. Now, you're going to get what I'm talking about now because God is light. And if we claim, if we say, you know, me and God are good, everything's good between he and I, if we claim to have fellowship with this God who is light and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We lie and we do not live out the truth. We lie and do not live out the truth. So, so John clearly understood that stood this principle that light and darkness do not mix. Either there's light or there's darkness, right? I, I, was, I was considering bringing a big spotlight to show you that light drives out darkness. But there's not a mixture, there's not a combination of light and darkness. And I can tell you, I, I've lived this out. In, in a couple ways, I've been in dark places in the physical realm, not in the spiritual realm. At my house, we have a driveway that leads us from uh, the road to my in-law's house to our house. And many times when we're hanging out at my in-law's house and we leave, it's late and it's dark. And let me tell you that it is, when I say dark, it is really dark. There are no lights to light the path. And you cannot literally see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it is if there's no moon, moonlight. It's that dark. And so you are walking in pure darkness to the point where you, the only way you can stay on the driveway is by feeling the pavement under your ground, under your feet. It's that dark. Sometimes when I go fishing, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about fishing. Uh, not as passionate about fishing as I am about Jesus. But sometimes when I go fishing, you have to, the spots are at such a premium that you have to go at 4 or 5 a.m., 
to get to the spot and you can't start fishing till daylight. So we're walking through trails and woods and things like that and it is pitch blackout. And, and when you think of darkness, you cannot see the obstacles in front of you. And so you're tripping over trees and logs and rocks and, and things like that unless you have, I got smart, I got a, a light to drive away the darkness. So I'm wearing this headlight, headlamp to drive away the darkness. See, John understood that you can't mix light and dark. There's dark and there's light. And, and so um, as he's talking about this, and let me just stop and say something. Morally, we, we know this is true. When he says, based upon the fact that God is light, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We, morally, we know this is true. The other, uh, about a week and a half ago, when my, two of my younger kids were in Mexico, my wife and I, Mary and my daughter Erin, went out to eat. And um, there was a man that came, and someone was escorting him out of the building at this restaurant we were eating at. We were eating outside. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. By the way, hasn't the weather been awesome? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Huh? So it was a beautiful day. We're eating a meal outside. And this guy's being escorted out of the building. And uh, all of a sudden, the guy who's escorting him lets him go. And this guy was so drunk. I mean, so drunk that he starts wobbling. Ultimately, he fell in the bushes right next to where we were sitting. It was so sad, so sad to see. Now, if this man, which we did not have conversation with him, told me that he was in relationship with God, and I saw him at that moment, and you saw him at that moment, wouldn't you think something's wrong? Right? So, so you're like, okay, I, I under, I'm not going to say that you have no relationship with God, but something is off here, right? So as I look at your life, because we expect, when someone says, I know God, we expect uh, a, a pattern of behavior, right? A level of behavior, if you, and I've, I've had this happen to me in my life, where I'm sitting around a, a table at a restaurant, and I'm sitting with people I know, sometimes I don't know, and all of a sudden, one of the people at the table start being really rude, really rude to the waiter or waitress. I mean, excessively rude, loud, uh, uh, just mean, you know, oh, this is not good enough, you, you know, and nothing's, nothing can be good enough, you know? And they're getting judgmental, and they're loud, and they're embarrassing. Now, if that person told me, I know God, I begin to look at them like, hmm, something is wrong here. So what I'm saying, and my point is this, morally, we understand that when someone says, I am in fellowship with God, and we begin to see behavior that is not aligned with the, uh, the relation, excuse me, not aligned with with the lifestyle that you'd expect to see, we begin to say, something is wrong here. Something is wrong here. And, and you wouldn't need a Christian to make that assessment. In fact, the world makes those assessments a lot. Right? I know God, and all of a sudden, they're seeing us, you know, destroying our wife verbally, or uh, lying, you know, just lying through our teeth to gain some advantage, somehow. Some monetary, some positional advantage, something, and, and they see this and they're like, something's wrong here, right? And so John is saying, listen, if you, I want you to have the kind of fellowship that I have with the Father and the Son. 
But let me just tell you something. That this kind of fellowship that I want you to be a part of, this is who we are. We walk in intimacy and communion and close relationship with God Almighty. But this kind of, of fellowship and relationship is going to be based on how you walk. Are you, in essence, we could ask the question, are we walking in darkness or are we walking in light? So John poses these two positions when he says, if we claim, meaning we say, God didn't say, but we say, because we make our own assessment. We, we, we pass our own test, if you will, right? If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And so if, if we make this claim, we need to understand that that's not necessarily God's perspective. In fact, we want to hear from a seasoned person. What, what is it that you would say, John? How, what would your perspective be? And this verse is very powerful. This was a verse when I would go out witnessing in, uh, in, in Armory Square. Um, a close friend of mine, Jason Sheridan, he and I would go out Friday nights, 11 o'clock. We'd run into so many people that either we formally knew or uh, said, you know what, I, I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm going to be okay. It's all good. But they're hanging out in the wrong place at the wrong time, if you get what I'm saying. So, so this verse, I would use this verse because we can say that everything's okay, but if we're walking in darkness, we're called a liar by John. That's pretty heavy duty. This guy doesn't pull any punches. He's just in your face like, uh, you know what? You need to really assess this thing, not based upon how you look at it, but how God's looking at it. Because if you're walking in darkness, you're hindering your fellowship with God Almighty. You're costing yourself something. It, there's, a, there's a price that needs to be paid. Now, the beautiful part about it all is, and if this comes across very or rather harsh to you, the next verse uh, comes, it's going to change your perspective. But, but we, need to, we need to get a feel of the intensity of a man who walked with Jesus and had seen some false teachings arise in his day, the compromise of these teachings arise in his day that, that changed the outlook of Christians. And so he's, he's wanting to be super clear in what he says. And so what does it mean to walk in the darkness? John 3.19, the gospel of John says this. The light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So I, I would say one of the ways to describe walking in darkness is this. To be controlled by desires for this world instead of desires for God. The desires of this world uh, supersede or more powerful in our lives than our desire to please God and be in relationship with him. So there's something trumping our desire to be uh, in relationship with God. And you know what? I just want to say it is so easy to deceive ourselves or be deceived. It's so easy to fall into this trap to think, you know what, my lifestyle is way better than his. To compare ourselves with others. Or to say, you know what, it's just not so bad. It's easy to fall into the deception that, you know what, there are worse people out there. There are things, there's people doing worse things. Or, you know what, if you only knew where I came from. And so we, we deceive ourselves by justifying several things in our lives. And we need to be careful about that. 
we need to be careful to say, God, it's okay, God understands. Yeah, he understands, but that doesn't mean he approves. You with me? He understands, but he doesn't approve. So, um, and, and we rationalize and cover up all kinds of sin. Uh, I can go into details, but I know that we are living in an age where compromise, just like in that day, compromise in the church is, is a very common, common thing. He's calling his church to be holy as he is holy. And the funny thing is, you know, we rationalize these things in our minds and then we go on because our church like Faith Chapel is challenging us to minister, you know. And so, uh, you know, we, we pray in tongues, we prophesy over people, we lay hands on people and, and we see God move and that's cool. We love to see God move. And, and so it almost justifies the fact that God is okay with me because he's still using me, right? And we need to be careful. God is a holy God. And yes, his, his gifts are without repentance. And he calls us to walk in holiness like he is holy. So um, can you be spiritual and still have your life a mess? You can do spiritual stuff, absolutely. And your life can be a mess. And I would, I would say, listen, we need to walk in the spirit. In fact, as a church... We just came off a series, so I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say that this series on the supernatural didn't have credence, but I want to say something. Character, we, we look at character way more than we look at spiritual gifts. Integrity, honesty, honor, right? We, we, we want to see God, God uh, change you as a person, and we want to see God use you in the supernatural. And, and so... We do talk about spiritual gifts because for a lot of people, that's a foreign concept or it's something that maybe once was in their life and no longer is. And we want to see those activated, but we don't want to uh, uh, wipe away the reality and the fact that God has called us to live pure and holy lives because God is light. Amen? Uh, so, so as we look at these things, John is exposing an error that was common in that day. Again, you'll, as the series unfolds, you're going to see him address false teachers or teachings. And John is exposing an error in that day that is common in this day. And the error is this, that if you're born again, the error in the, the, uh, the false teaching is if, if you're born again, you can live however you want. You can, you know, sin, it doesn't matter. You can sin Ask God to forgive you, and it's okay. The, the false teaching was that, you know what, um, as long as you prayed that prayer, everything's going to be okay. You continue with the life that you once had, and it doesn't matter. And that's, he's exposing this error to say, listen, you cannot, because God is light, you cannot walk with God in fellowship if you're walking in darkness. Okay? So that's verse 6. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just finish with this thought. Because I have one more verse to share with you before we move on to verse 7. It'll get a lot easier, okay? I love you guys. I want to see, I want to see God, uh, God's spirit thriving in you and your intimacy with him increasing. Um, and we can't, Jesus addressed sin. The Bible addresses sin. We can't just, you know, brush it under the rug and say it's not a big deal. Our culture is dumbing down the reality that holiness and righteousness is a big deal. Okay? So John is going after this topic uh, very aggressively. Because, you know, 
Also, a lot of people go under the cover of grace. God's grace is enough. You know, he'll forgive me. I could do what I want. Listen, grace is not a cover-up for sin. Grace does not exist to just cover your sin. Uh, the grace of God is a way out. It provides a way out for sin. Okay, so if sin's got, a con- got control of you or got hold of you, God's grace will help you out. It won't, it won't just, you know, make it okay for you to stay there forever, right? I'll share a verse with you that, that alludes to this point. In Titus chapter 2, it says this. Titus 2. Titus is the book just before Hebrews. It's always a hard book to find in the New Testament. Very short book, three chapters, and it says this in verses 11 and 12. About God's grace. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us. What, was, what does God, God's grace do? It teaches us to say no. Say no. Let's say it again. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. All right, so the grace is not a license to do more sin. Grace is the thing that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's the, it's the thing that will take us out. It will help us walk in victory over sin. That is grace. All right. So I believe that if grace, God's grace is at work in your life, it will change your life. If God's grace is at work in your life, it will change your life. Let's let God's grace be at work in us. Amen? Um, in verse 7, I'm going to read that after I make this last statement. Romans 6.14, you could jot it down. We're not going to turn there. But it says, For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So, so grace is, is a way to take us out from control, the control of sin. Verse 7 says this. Back to 1 John chapter 5. Or 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship... Whoa, that was the last verse. We're on seven now. Thank you. I know everyone's saying amen to that. Thank you, John, for that, because that does help us. And this is it. So walking in darkness now is contrasted with walking in light. Here it is. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. It purifies us from all sin. Now, that's good news right there. So we can walk in the light, right? If we walk in the light, we're not walking in darkness. If we walk in the light, there's two great things that happen. First of all, that we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So you may say, wait a second, walking in the light, does that mean that Does that mean that I may have sin in my life and I can still walk in the light? It absolutely means that. You can be walking in the light and still be working through the mess that you're in right now. I'm going to say say that again as I read this passage. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin if we walk in the light. That's good news. So, so we can be walking in the light, and, and the, the word walk and the word purify, these are in present tense, so in essence it could read something like this. As I walk in the light, I am being purified. As I'm walking in the light, so here I am walking through life, 
There's this active walking through life. I am being purified. That The blood of Jesus is cleansing me from my sins. I'm walking in the light. I have sin in my life. And the blood of Jesus is purifying me from all sins. I'm walking under the light. I wish I had pitch black darkness and just one spotlight following me everywhere I go. Because as we walk through life, we get into messes, don't we? But as I'm walking in the light through life, the blood of Jesus purifies me from all sin. In verse 8, it says something very similar that just goes on to prove my point. That if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he's not saying that all of a sudden now you've got to be perfect. He's saying that, listen, as you're walking in the light, the blood of Jesus is going to do a work in and through your life. It'll forgive you of your sins, your present sins, the, the sins that you've committed, the sins that God is bringing you through because he wants to bring us from glory to glory and make us more like Jesus, right? It'll forgive us from our sins, but not only that, it will help us to gain victory over our sin. That that sin will no longer have victory over us. It'll, it'll, it, he begins to set us free by the blood of Jesus as we walk in the light so that that sin that had hold of us no longer can gain victory over our lives. So that we don't have to walk in shame and guilt and condemnation so that we're free to say, listen, Jesus set me free. That used to be my problem. But it's no longer my problem. Amen? So I don't know about you, but I like walking in the light. I like walking in the light because here's, here's the, the picture that you need to get in your mind. Walking in the darkness. We, we can walk close to the light and think we're okay, but it's deception because we are hiding some stuff. You see, light exposes. It illuminates. Right? Right? It, it illuminates, it exposes the things that are there, that are actually there that you can't see. And sometimes we choose to walk in that darkness. And so I want to tell you how a person can walk in the light. How does this happen in their lives? This is how it happens, or at least this is how it would happen in my life. Um, say, for example, I'm dealing with a sinner. God exposes a, a, a sin in my life. He reveals a sin that is, that is going on in my life. And, and in my quiet time, and as I read the word, these things happen. I'm like, whoa, uh, I didn't know that was there. There you are again. You know, like I thought I dealt with that or I thought I buried you enough that uh, I didn't have to deal with you again. And all of a sudden, boom, God exposes this because light reveals, right? Light reveals things. And so what I do is I put myself in the light as opposed to hide in the darkness. And I say, God, I, you know what? I don't want that in my life. Like David said, you know, if there be any unclean thing in me, God, reveal it, right? David was a man after God's own heart because he, he knew there was stuff there and he didn't want it there. So he put himself into the light to say, God, expose the things that are there. And you will find, let me just tell you and be honest with you. For the rest of your life, as you walk in the light, the light will expose things in your life. Why? Because God is trying to make you more like Jesus. He's trying to transform you. It may start off as these big things. Maybe once you were a drug dealer and, and he set you free from that. But now you're a thief and he's working on that. And then, you know, 20 years later, he may be uh, dealing with you about, uh, you know, a word you said or a thought you had. Right? He's, he's continually working on us 
to make us more like Jesus. So you don't have to feel, if you're here today and you feel like, oh, no, this is not good. I've been walking in darkness. Look, there is good news. You know what? For the rest of your life, as you expose your life to the light of God, because God is light, he will help you become free of the things that are in your life. And it feels oh so good to put stuff behind you. It feels oh so good. So, so we're, we present ourselves to God, you know, in your quiet time. God, you know what? I give myself to you today. Is there, is there anything you want to talk to me about? Yeah, I want to talk to you about how you talked to your wife last night. Okay. What do you want to say about that? You need to go apologize. All right. And, and so God, God's working on us, but, and we could choose to be obedient, and you'll see the theme in this book, there's obedience as a common theme. We could choose to be obedient and put that behind us and humble ourselves to say, God, you know what? I am so sorry, and I will go talk to my wife, and I'll ask her to forgive me too. And so the light exposed something, and we respond to what God exposes. This can happen through your conversation with God. This can happen as you're uh, reading your word. You could be convicted by watching someone else, the way they talk to their wife. Uh, you know, and I'm just using husband and wife because I'm a guy here. But, you know, uh, there's so many ways God can speak to you. And, and I would challenge you to respond. Put yourself in the light. Say, God, I want, I want my life to be totally unveiled to you. It is anyway. You know that, right? God is light. You don't have to tell him. But you need to, this is more positioning your heart to say, God, I am yours. Speak to me about the things that you want to deal with me in. And he's so gracious. And here's what the Bible says in verse 9. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just. And he'll forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a great God. So, so not only did John expose the reality or the belief system of that day, the error of that day, that you can live your life the way you want and still be in fellowship with God, but on the, on the flip side, he also exposed another error, and that is this. When you're walking with God, you're, you're perfect. It was an error of teaching that all of a sudden now everyone has to be perfect. Listen, we are growing to perfection. You'll never be perfect. You'll never be perfect, but you, I, I find that the sins I struggled with, I no longer struggle with, and now God is setting me free and making me more like him. And so we are called to walk in the light. We are called to un unveil ourselves before God and let his spirit work on us. There's nothing hidden. In him there is no darkness because God is light. And as we walk in this light, we unveil ourselves to him and he speaks to us, and, and that's not the only conversation he has with you. Let me promise you that. Because God is very much into affirming you, building you up, resecuring your identity, telling you how much he loves you. But in the midst of your life with him, walking with him, he will help you become free from the sins that hold you back. His desire is to make you free. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil is to keep you bound. And to make you feel like there is no way out from your sin. And that is a lie. So let's expose ourselves to the light and let God do a great work in our lives. Amen? I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. And today, uh, today, I want to say this. Maybe you're in a place where you say, you know what? 
I have clearly been hiding some stuff. I've been living in darkness, walking in darkness, and I want to ask God to expose them to his light. But this is a lifestyle John is calling us to. Listen, if you want to have fellowship with him, John is saying, if you want to have the intimacy, there's no greater walk that you could have than walking with God in this way. This is how you do it. You expose your life to the light because that's who he is. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, today, God, we give you praise. I thank you that you are God of more than enough, God. Your grace is sufficient in our time of need. I thank you, God, that you are even now, Father, doing surgery on our hearts, Lord God. And Father, I pray that, Lord, each and every person here would expose their lives to you and the light that you bring into the situation, into their lives, God. And so, Father, I give you praise for what you're doing, God. Let us be people that walk forever, Father, 24-7, expose our lives to the light, that we walk in the light, not in the darkness. Let us be people that please you. Let us be people whose lives honor you and exalt you. And so we thank you for what you're doing, God. Lord, we want to lift you high so that you draw all men unto yourself. Do a deep, deep work in our hearts, God. May we be the kind of people like David who have a heart after you, a people after your own heart. And so, Father, Lord, where there's sin, Father God, bring light. And, Father, help them to walk away, Father, from that sin into freedom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. If you need to spend some time with the Lord, you're welcome to do that. We won't bother you. But listen, walk in the light. Amen.